It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Doing Good. I am your host, Carmen Herbert, Carmen Rasmussen Herbert, and my guest today is Chelsea Rasmussen. There's no relation. In fact, I am not related to any Rasmussens in the United States. All my relatives are in Canada and we spell our name with one S. So people have asked me so much and we kind of like, we're both blonde and we were in the same word for a while. And people would always ask if we were cousins or whatever. There's no relation. I wish that I wish I could claim you. We're oh, sisters, totally sisters in you. Zion, <laughs> <laughs> sisters in Christ. Um, so Chelsea Rasmussen, I'm so excited for you to come on today and to talk with us, you have an incredible story and life experience. You have worked, you have a background in social work and you have worked with at-risk families and taught prevention education in local school districts. And you basically do the hard work. You do what maybe sometimes parents and teachers don't want to do and don't want to talk about the really tough subjects of abuse and suicide and things like that. And and you provide hope for families that are going through things. I think that's one of my most very favorite things about, about you is that you are so positive and you bring that positivity and light to so many people. It's a life. It really is a lifeline. And you are speaking of that. You are a certified life coach as well. And um, most recently a mama of four, three beautiful girls and one baby boy who's brand new. (laughs) So Chelsea, brand spanking new two months old as of when this podcast went as of when we recorded this podcast. So Mm -hmm. brand new baby. So I'm just grateful that you are awake and willing to do this. (laughs) And that you even can like put together a sentence like after when my baby's like, yes, go ahead. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Up until like six months old, I feel like I don't even ask me anything. I can't, I can't come up with a thought. Don't ask me what to make for dinner. Like, I don't know anything. All I know is I'm a milk cow and I feed the baby. That's all I know. (laughs) It's my life. Survival mode. And yet you have still been thriving and you have been posting amazing things on your Instagram. It's chat with Chelsea and you share just personal life stories, funny things, serious things, inspirational things that I'm sure comes with your knowledge and experience of being a life coach. And you kind of offer that just like free to all of us, which is awesome. So let me just start by asking you, how did you get started in, in your social work and in teaching prevention education? What drove you to that? Okay. Growing up, I always had the desire. I wanted to go into family counseling. I think just the different experiences that I had growing up and the different things I went through, I just, I just knew how important families were. And so I went into social work with the intent of becoming a family counselor, but then I started working with at-risk families at a family treatment center. And I fell in love with that and did that for a few years and then it, me and my husband decided it was time to start our family. And I wanted to be his stay-at-home mom during when my kids were young. So I, I quit my job and became a stay-at-home mom. And I quickly realized how isolating and really hard that transition was for me. I struggled with postpartum. 
And I, I knew I wasn't the only mom struggling with things like this. And so I started my platform or whatever you want to call it on Instagram as a way for me as an outlet almost in a way for me to create conversations where I could talk about, you know, those hard things that oftentimes are not discussed. And it's, it's kind of evolved for others to, you know, uh, it's kind of given others permission to kind of step up and also talk about the hard things and say, yeah, um, Hey, you're not alone. And I, I, I love the community that it's kind of created where we're like all in this together, right? For sure. Um, yeah. I, I just, you, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to ask why you think that it's so hard for people to open up about the hard things. Why do you think that everyone, everyone needs to feel like there's someone that understands them? And yet it's so hard to reach out and say, I'm going through something really hard. And, and I need help. And yet we, we all are, and we all do. So why do you think that people isolate themselves or stay in that place that you were in without reaching out? I think it's a couple different things. Um, first thing that came to my mind was being vulnerable. Being vulnerable is so scary, but that is the only way that creates connection. We have to be vulnerable and open our hearts up to create powerful connections with others. Maybe our culture, our culture tends to lean towards perfectionistic tendencies. And so maybe we don't feel safe to open up. And and that's also another reason why I created my account because I wanted to kind of fight back against perfectionism. And I love it and talk about the real stuff. Yes. And I somehow missed that gene of the oversharing gene. I overshare. I mean, my husband's always like, Carmen, close your book, close your book. Cause I'm just I like, I love that about you. <laughs> I love that. That's how I, I'm, I, I felt the same thing as you. Like, uh, that's how I connect with people. Like, let me share with you how hard my life is. And then you can share with me how hard your life is. And we can commiserate and learn and grow together because you'll say something that I need to hear. Maybe I'll say something you need to hear, but that's like, I really connect with people that way. And so sometimes when people are like, how are you doing? I'll be like, I'm terrible. Let me tell you. And they'll be like, I really just was hoping for, and I'm fine, but I'll just say, no, I'm let me, let me, but that's what I love so much about you too, is that you post very real, very authentic, open, honest things on your account that, that it's like, Oh my gosh, I, I had no idea she was going through that or look how she went through that. And she came out on the other side and she's okay. Have you received feedback or messages from people that are like, Oh my gosh, I, I so needed to hear that today. And I, and I love to hear that because another reason why I, I want to make a difference. And so it is so, so gratifying to hear that um, just a simple comment of saying, you know, what you said today made me not feel alone. You know, I was, I was crying, I was crying in my bed and I read your post and it gave me hope. So those little comments make it all worth it because yes, absolutely being vulnerable and putting myself out there is so difficult and it gets easier the more you do it. 
maybe, <laughs> but it's worth it. And I, I was going to say with, with you saying oversharing that you tend to overshare it. That's yes. That's, Carmen, I kind of see that as a gift because if you look at it in the sense mm -hmm. of you being vulnerable gives the people that you're around permission to be vulnerable as well. And so you probably find that you connect, you're so easy co to connect with because you are vulnerable and you're open to share. And just, can you just imagine like if everybody, every human felt safe and accepted to be vulnerable, like how, how much more we would be connected as Human yes, that is a beautiful thought. And so sweet of you to say, thank you so much. But I agree. I, part of, I think why I do overshare or open up is because I, I do want people to do the same thing. And I, and I genuinely love learning about other people and their lives, which is why I love doing this podcast, because I'm like, even though there's lots of people listening it's, it's just me and you right now. Like we're, it's just us talking and, and I love learning about how other people work and how they do things and what, what happened in their life to make them who they are. Because I think we would love each other so much more if we knew each other a little bit better and went beyond the, the niceties, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. It's like if you only walked in their shoes. Yes, absolutely. So you mentioned, speaking of getting vulnerable at the beginning of the podcast, you said because of some experiences I had growing up, I just knew that families were so important and that's what I wanted to focus on. So was that did you have a good experience growing up in your family or was it because of some maybe hard learning experiences that you decided you wanted to be different? Hard learning experiences, several divorces, abuse. So it just, I learned so much and I feel like I can look back on those experiences and know that those experiences have prepared me to better help the clients that I see. Yes. Now, I truly believe that the experiences that we go through not only help us obviously gain empathy, but, you know, set us up to then be someone to help those people going through similar situations. I totally agree. My mom got pregnant with, um, when she was 40 and with my dad, with my, with, with my dad's baby. And, and I was, you know, in high school and she, it was not planned and not prepared. And then she ended up having a miscarriage and it was, it was really sad. And it was, it was interesting because we, we were all older. And so we all went through that experience with her. And then my Absolutely. oldest sister, her first was a miscarriage and my youngest sister, her first was a miscarriage. And so my mom said, oh, I so kind of mom was able. To yes. Really she was able. Exactly. She's like, I was able to be with my daughters in a way that I would not have been had I not experienced that myself. And so it's, it's, I tell my boys, we talk about sympathy versus empathy. And of course, sympathy, you, f I say sympathy is you feel sorry. I'm so sorry you had a miscarriage. I personally have never experienced one. So I don't know what my sisters and mom went through. I can only imagine. And yet those three experienced 
empathy because they have all been through it. And so they can help each other. And they did on a much deeper level because they're like, I know what you went through. I, I, I have learned from experience, empathy, you know, from experience. And I think that that's, that's the, the, that's what our savior went through. And that's why he he knows us so well and loves us so much is because he's like, Oh, I know what you went through. It's not like that looks really hard. I'm sorry. I can't relate to that. He can always relate to everything. Yes. He walks with us and in our darkest moments. So how did you rely on him when you were younger to get, to get through the abuse? And you, and, and I, I know it, there's so much more that goes into that. And and we say it like, Oh, there was divorce and abuse. And I know that that was just impacted you forever. And, and so deeply and, and, and people that are going through that and that are still going through that, it's so difficult and hard. And you think, where's the light at the end of the tunnel, but there is, and you're living proof of that. And so how did you use the savior and, and, and his hope to get you through those times? Oh gosh. Because I, I was so young when it happened, I honestly think now that you're making me think about it, I think I was protected for a while. And and this happens a lot. We see with kids who are abused, it won't get reported and come out until later in life. And I really yeah. think it's because they are protected. They cannot handle emotionally or mentally what has happened to them until they mm-hmm. are at whatever age they are mm-hmm. able to then process it. So... Mm-hmm. Looking back, I, I when I started to process it, I had a lot of coping skills that weren't healthy, eating disorder and depression and ang- crippling anxiety. And then once I started, I got um, to counseling. I read a few books about um, from different, I couldn't even tell you what they were. I was going to ask. They were, they were from different apostles about forgiveness. And it's a process. I mean, you know, something that momentous stays with you, but it gets easier when you work to heal yourself. I tell my clients, it's like an onion. It, you heal in layers, you know, sometimes I'll get triggered from something that I wouldn't, I wouldn't think would still trigger me, but then, you know, I've learned the tools and that's kind of why I became a life coach too, is because I, I know how wonderful these tools are in healing and creating a better life. And, so tell us, yeah. yeah so th- it, I, I want to learn more. I want to know more. And I'm sure the listeners do too. What, what are some of those tools that help you? Like, are they mental tools? Are they emotional tools? Are they mantras you repeat to, to, to yourself? Is it different for every person or are they kind of universal things? Oh goodness. So yes, there, there are so many tools to talk about, but something that is is across the board for everyone is first looking at the thoughts that are going through your mind. What are you telling yourself? What are those negative beliefs and that are running your life? And I have found that mm, I would probably say 90% of people have the belief that they are not enough. And that negative belief runs their life. Interesting. I yeah, just just last week I I did a poll on my Instagram about and and listeners can ask these questions to themselves cuz it can be it can be eye-opening. So I asked my listeners and did a poll. I asked them, you know, when you feel, well I, I first asked, you know, do you ever feel not enough? Yes or no? And then if you answered yes, then 
answer these questions. And the first question I asked was, when you feel not enough, how do you show up in the world? Mm. And, and I had an idea of probably what would come in, but still reading these answers were gut-wrenching because, you know, so some of the answers that came up was they mask it. They pretend like everything is okay. Depression, anxiety, they're irritable around the, you know, people they love, a perfectionist. They push harder because they don't feel enough. They then become a super doer. So they're proving to the world that they're enough, which then often equals burning out, right? Yeah. Yes. You know, they show up not being present. They're distant, which, you know, hearing all of that, it's like, oh, what kind of life is that? It's, It's pretty disheartening. So then I also asked, okay, well, when you feel enough, how do you show up in the world? Totally different. And the answers that I got, you know, some of the examples were, you know, I feel calm, I feel peace, I'm confident, you know, I'm able to engage in life, I'm able to um, be productive, I want to serve. Um, yes, you know, you I can feel, look beyond yourself. Authentic. Yes, yeah. And and then I asked the question, you know, what gets in the way from you feeling enough? In in other words, what causes you? to not feel enough, what triggers you into not feeling enough. And so That's many people, yeah, it is, it is. And it brings up a lot because these answers were so, cause I, I'm, I'm right there with them. I'm right there with them. You know, so many answers in probably, I would probably say just about every answer gave comparison, comparing myself to other moms, to other people in my same phase of life, you know, the media, the, the facade that everybody else has it all together and, you know, self-doubt, self-judgment, Satan, um, the mom guilt, my inner voice and whatnot. And it just like, can you just imagine if everybody felt enough, how different would we interact with one another? Would we show up in the world? Right. Our world would be transformed. It, totally. I've never, was this a, a post that you did pre, recently on your it Instagram? It was in my stories. It was in my stories. Um, do you have it week. saved? I do. Did you save it? Okay. So people can go to chat with Chelsea and look, what is the highlight bubble called? Do you remember? Um, you know, it would, it might, I don't know if I put it in a highlight bubble actually, um, Okay, but I can make a highlight bubble. I, I would love you. I would love you to make a highlight bubble because okay. I, I was like, going over all of those answers in my mind. And it was so interesting because I've never, I've never, I don't, I've never thought of those questions. It's, it's one thing when people say you're enough, don't worry, you're enough. And I kind of hate that. I'm like, I am not because look at my house, look at, mm. look at how I look, look at what I'm doing or not doing that's immediately what I think of when people say you're enough. And, and sometimes when my husband says that it almost bothers me and I know he has the best of intentions and he really believes that, but because I don't, it doesn't mean anything to me. It almost makes me more upset because I'm like, can't you see how I'm failing? Can't you see you're just trying to make me feel better? And he can't, he genuinely can't. And so it's interesting you're not alone yeah. in that, by the way. So what what do we do? What do you recommend to turn that mindset around to truly believe that 
we are enough and it has nothing to do with the laundry on your floor, your kids haircuts that you miss and their hair's all scroungy and long <laughs> forgetting the homework, being 10 pounds overweight, having wrinkles on your face. You are enough. How do we truly let that sink in? And it's hard and it's, and it's a daily practice. First thing is understanding that your value is set. It is set the moment that you were created and it does not change. Your value remains the same. It doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter what you don't do, it is the same. So getting that concept, but then also, so with my coaching clients, help them recognize that this limiting belief and how it's showing up in their life. And it's it's practicing that mindfulness of realizing those triggers. So meaning when you're able to recognize how you show up when you're not enough, when you're feeling not enough. Right. So like for me, for me, I get real, I get irritable. I go into perfectionistic tendencies and I'm a super doer. So okay. I, I know that when I'm overbooking myself and, be, and trying to do everything, yes, I have to, I have to stop and take a step back and say, okay, where am I not feeling enough? That and then is I have to work on that. I am completely opposite. I, when I am not feeling enough, I feel frozen. I can't do anything. And I feel like I want to be doing, I, I know I need to be just, and just the basics, even like. So you go into overwhelm? I go, yes. I totally go into overwhelm, even just like eating and mm-hmm. like making myself food and getting ready. I feel like it's all so much. And if it weren't for my kids, I would probably be a ball on the ground a lot of days. And by the way, I think it's important to say that some people don't experience this and, and to the extreme that I do and, or, or you do, or, or, absolutely, you know, absolutely. It, and it's, and it's not, you know, there are absolutely, there are ways that we can help get help and counseling medication, exercise, sunlight, the gospel. There are so many things we can do to help ourselves. Self-care. Self-care. Absolutely. But I think that this didn't start for me until I became a mother. It, it, I I was never really like, I mean, I always had anxiety and I, but I, I was able to snap out of it, I guess, easier until I became a mother. And then I felt like there was so much more at stake. I was, there were so many more ways I could fail. It wasn't just about me being a lazy person or not doing, it was, if I don't do this right, I'm affecting so many lives besides my own. Oh, and Carmen, that's... if we were in a coaching session right now, oh. I would dive right into that. <laughs> but going back to you go into overwhelm, overwhelm yes. is so many different emotions that you aren't able to process those emotions. So yes, when you're in overwhelm, being able to take a step back and label which emotions are going on. And it's probably like every emotion in the book. All of them, anger, Mm -hmm. mostly Mm -hmm. anger, and then a deep sadness, disappointment, frustration, devastation. And then it kind of goes back like, and then I'm angry, I'm feeling all those things. And then I'm sad that I can't get out of it. And it's like, it just kind of is a cycle (laughs) until I eat a bag of peanut M&Ms. And then I feel (laughs) a little better. (laughs) And then I feel depressed that I messed up and I'm going to gain weight. And then it goes back. Rinse and repeat. (laughs) (laughs) So what would, so what advice would you, so what advice would you, would you give someone like me? Okay. 
how do you break that cycle? How do you, I recognize this is what I do when I don't show up. When I do show up, it is like when I feel like I am enough and I'm worth it. Man, I can do anything. Like I'm like on the ball. I'm getting my kids ready. I'm taking care of myself. I'm working out. I'm smiling. I'm happy. And I want more of those days. How do we get more of those days? So recognizing a lot of the times when we are feeling mom guilt, we label it as mom guilt, but in reality, it's actually mom shame. Um, so let me tell you the difference between guilt and shame. So guilt, yes. guilt promotes us to change a behavior. Okay. Okay. It's, it's, I did something bad or I did something wrong. Yes. Shame is the belief. I am bad. I am oh. wrong. So, and shame, if you were to put all the emotions on a scale of one to 10, Shame is the very lowest of the low. It is where Satan wants us to be, as especially as moms. And that's why I, I believe it is so prevalent in so many women. We beat ourselves up. And so how we can battle that is first recognizing the difference between mom guilt and mom shame. Yes. And then I would then ask you, Carmen, if we were in a coaching session, you know, you said you want to do things right, being a good mom. Mm -hmm. What is, and then I would ask you, what does that look like to you? And I bet you diving in, I'm going to skip ahead, but diving in, yes. you, it would ultimately probably come down to, well, loving my kids, keeping them yes. safe and teaching them. Yes. And that's it. Yep. Being a good mom does not, it is not, it does not, it's not determined by having a clean house. Right. Right. It's, are your kids loved? Are your kids safe? And are, are they learning? Are you teaching them? And that's it. And so if, if moms can get that, that that's our jobs as mothers, that's it. Nothing else. Everything you can think, everything else is extra credit. It's bonus. If you get to the other things on your to-do list that day, great. But to focus on those three things. Loved that, learning safe. Mm -hmm. Loved learning safe. And then right? the and we all love our kids. Right? Of course. Even, even when they're throwing tantrums, that doesn't make us love them any less. We may be frustrated, right. but yep. Loving, um, safety and teaching them. And then the, the big birthday parties and the nice, cool clothes and all that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it it, it comes if nice it comes. It comes. Yep, exactly. Extra credit bonus. Extra. When you're feeling, when you're feeling at your best, great. But, but it if, doesn't matter. I love that when you're feeling at your best, then, then go for it, do all that stuff. But some days when it's just about survival, have I loved my kids today? Do they know I love them? Have I taught them something? Have they been safe? That's enough. And it's hard. And it's hard to, to say, okay, that was enough. When you go to bed and you're like, yes, this pile of laundry is five days old and we've now dug to the bottom and there's like four things left. And now the clean clothes are now just right back in the dirty clothes because oh, we never <laughs> A talk came to mind when you were talking about shame and mom guilt and worth. And it was October of 2017 by Joy D. Jones, who I think is the most amazing, incredible woman. And we had the opportunity to go through the newly renovated Jordan River Temple with her as a guide for our family. And my little three-year-old at the time was Benson. So, well, I guess he was two, was throwing the biggest tantrum. And I'm like, this is the temple. Like, you can't throw tantrums in the temple. And he was breaking out and she came up to him. And of course she was the primary general president is still, but she was, you know, just, just newly mm -hmm. um, sustained. And 
she came up to him and she knelt down and she's like, Benson, can I hold you? And she picked him up and took him around. It makes me so emotional. was showing him all the pictures of the savior and was so loving and kind and no judgment. It wasn't, wow, you know, your kid is out of control. It was like, oh, I am here with you. I understand. Let I me see you. I see you. Let me help you because I don't have a screaming toddler that I'm carrying around. I can offer my help to you. And she gave a talk. It's called Value Beyond Measure. I don't know if you guys remember. It was in 2017. And she said, let me point out the need to differentiate between two critical words, worth and worthiness. They are not the same. Spiritual worth means to value ourselves the way Heavenly Father values us, not as the world values us. Like you said, Chelsea, our worth was determined before we ever came to this earth. God's love is infinite and will endure forever. On the other hand, worthiness is achieved through obedience. If we sin, we are less worthy, but we are never worth less. No matter what, we always have worth in the eyes of our Heavenly Father. I love that thought of I love how you tied that together because feeling worthless again goes yes to, is tied to shame, to shame where worthiness is tied to guilt to, exactly and I I love that thought that it's we are never ever worthless even if mistakes we make may make us feel less worthy but we are never worthless and and I hope that I can take what I've learned talking with you. And think about ways that I, how I'm showing up and when I felt like I'm worthless. And if I can remember that, oh, but I'm never worthless. I never am. My worth doesn't change. Doesn't change. It's set. It's set. Then, then we should all be showing up every day with the most confidence in the world. Right? It, right. Right. We and should be. Yes. And going back, just if everybody... If, if everybody felt that and believed that our world would be different, it would be different, completely different. Totally. And of course, that's the hardest thing though. That, that is, that is the challenge of this, of this life to not let anything or anyone affect that worth and make us feel less ourselves included. So on that subject, I would like to ask you about a personal experience that you shared on Instagram a a little while ago about your sweet little two-year-old Riley. And you talk a lot about having this mom guilt and feeling like you made a huge mistake and and it was really eye-opening for you. And it was heartbreaking for me to read because of course, everyone makes mistakes, but everyone, things just happen that we have nothing to do with. And it had nothing to do with us even making mistakes. Life happens and tragedies happen. But you learned a really important lesson that kind of ties all this together. Would you be willing to share that with us? Yes, absolutely. So long story short, I had discovered that my earlier in the day, my two-year-old had wrapped one of our blind cords around her neck. We don't know how she got out of it. We don't know how it, well, we knew she had what happened because I, I had gone around in our house when we moved in and cut all the blind cords, but I didn't realize when we moved our couch right under the window that then it would be accessible, accessible, right? Yeah. So she had climbed up on the couch and gotten herself into trouble. And so I discovered that around dinner time. And as a mom, as you can imagine, all the things were going through my head. And because I have 
fought the not enoughs my whole life, um, not feeling good enough. And I've done, you guys, I've done a lot of work on this. And so for me to go down this deep spiral, the, the next day I was in this deep, deep, deep spiral of mom shame and probably one of the darkest places I've been in a while of, and what I realized is that feeling not good enough was kind of like my baseline that was just, just under the surface, just still there. I was managing it well, but it was still mm-hmm. there. And this incident just caused it to erupt. And I was, I, I had to really do some work and look at myself and ended up doing kind of a session on myself in a sense of, and what, and what I had to do is present, <clears throat> present to, well, ask myself if I were to present my belief that I'm a bad mom to a jury, and this is what I do with my clients. If I were to present that to a jury, what would be the verdict? No, no, because they, they, they have all this other evidence that I, f- yes. I feed my kids somewhat nutritious food. I try. <laughs> <laughs> Do they eat it? Well, who knows? But we, we present yeah, it. Right? <laughs> yes. Um, but all these other things, 90%, you know, of the things would say, I'm a good mom. Yes. And then there's, but it's that 10% or whatever percentage you want to put on it of times where we fall short. And sadly, it's those moments that we beat ourselves up for and pull us down what Satan would want. Mm-hmm. And come bringing in the atonement, you know, th- that's what the atonement's there for, is to make up that 10% where we fall short. Yes. And I would say that 10% where we do have heartache and tragedy too. He makes up that. I know some of you may be aware of the story with Reno Mahe and Sunny and their darling little girl Elsie, and things didn't turn out the same for and their little it was girl. Their story that had me go around cutting all my blinds, cutting the blinds because their little girl passed away from the same tragic accident. And yet, she talked about going to the temple when they knew her little girl wasn't going to make it, and and Reno saying, "But maybe she's supposed to save other people's lives," and and she saved. I think like five lives because her, her little angel body because of, of her accident was able to help five other families. And, and they have been an incredible example of perseverance and faith and love and not letting that. I mean, the ultimate, can you imagine mom guilt and and shame overtake them and still rely on that atonement to heal them completely and not think, what if, and, and what if I was there and what, what could have happened? And oh my goodness. And why? And I'm, I'm sure they've asked themselves that, but I've, I've followed their story and I just think they are the most beautiful examples of, of trusting the savior and trusting him to, to pick up where we can't. And when it's like, you know what, this, this day's too hard. This time's too hard. This thing is too hard that he picks it up. And, and like in your case, when you're thinking, oh my gosh, what, what could have been, what could have happened. And, oh, I'm, I'm not enough. I'm, I'm, you know, that no, it, but it, it's not you. It's accidents happen and mistakes happen. And no matter what the savior will always pick up the last little bit for us and help us along. So Chelsea, tell me what you love most 
about coaching. I feel like this was a mini life coach (laughs) session for me. Like I feel like I want to learn more. I want to learn more and I want to talk with you more. So first of all, what do you love most about doing sessions with people and and talking them through things and sharing your life and experiences with them and helping them see theirs differently? And then where can people go if people are like, I feel like I would benefit from these tools. And if you've learned a little bit from this, like, wow, this has really opened my mind to some great ideas of, of ways that I can start thinking more healthy thoughts. Where can they go to learn more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So first off, if if this has sparked intrigue, you know, if if anybody's intrigued, they can go to my Instagram page and just send me a direct message and we can talk if life coaching is a good fit. I always offer my first session free just to make sure it is a good fit for for me and for the client. Um, yes, has to be two-way street for sure. Ab- yes. Absolutely, because yes. Absolutely. And what I enjoy most from life coaching is, is when I see my clients have those aha moments that, and, and, and mind you, I, I start every, before every coaching session, I have a prayer because I know there, there, there are times where things come out of my mouth or I am prompted to ask a certain question that was not on my radar. And so it's really neat to one, be able to be that instrument in their healing and yes. two, going back to when they have those aha moments and that are life changing and to be able to see them implement that and to see them going from a place of barely just an overwhelm, barely surviving in a Me. sense. Emotionally, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> into thriving and creating the life that they only dreamed of. And, you know, like, like, like I said, like I've, I've done my work. I, I have, I've done lots of work and I still, I still have upsets and I still have triggers, but I have the tools and I teach my clients the tools. So when things do come up, they can navigate around them and it just becomes a little bump of the road instead of a catastrophe, if that makes sense. Yes. And I think that's the biggest thing that I want. I want our listeners to know too today is you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live curled up in a ball crying. And and it's not your fault if you are. It, it could be life experience like you've talked about with abuse and divorce. It could be severe and crippling anxiety or depression or postpartum like I have experienced. It may be seasonal. It may be situational. Look at what state of the world we're in right now. Things are upside down and inside out and it's crazy. Crazy. But so we much. don't have to let it stop us from, from fulfilling our purpose and recognizing our worth. That is the main thing that that's the main takeaway that I that I have today is don't have to live like this. If there there are ways to be better and do better and know better. And and if life coaching is a path for you, then pursue it because it, 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 it really can help. And I, w- I would want them to know that they're not alone. Everybody. No, I, I, yes. I would never want anybody to feel shame or feel bad about feeling a certain way or going through something that they can't can't get through, you know, by themselves because right. everybody has stuff. Everybody. Yes, it's true. It wouldn't. That's the and that's the purpose of life. 
that's that's the whole point is we go through things and and we hopefully learn from them. It's all about progression. And I love what you said. I, I had Jody Moore on the podcast a little while ago and, and she's also a life coach. And I asked her the same question, what brings her the most joy? And it was so similar to yours is watching people realize something. And same thing she said, things that sometimes I would think I didn't, that was brilliant, but it wasn't from my brain. Right? <laughs> like, that was, oh, yeah. like, wow, that was, that was really good. I am such an amazing coach. And, and she's like, but, but I have to attribute that like, yes, she is. And yes, so are you. But when we're doing the right thing, and and I would say maybe our, our life's goal or our life's purpose, that Heavenly Father always has a hand in that and helps us help other people. And that's the greatest thing about being on this life is that we get to be the Savior's hands and we get to be His voice. And Chelsea, you have been such a beautiful, positive voice for good on social media. And I'm so grateful to know you. I'm so grateful that you're my friend. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on Doing Good today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I I really enjoyed it. If you want to listen to more podcasts, tell your friends and family to download the free Our Turtle House app. But if you want exclusive content, you can upgrade and listen to never before heard or released talks and firesides from Hank Smith, John, by the way, Meg Johnson, Mark Will, and myself. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast of Doing Good and hope that you will also recognize your true potential and be able to do some good in the world. I'm Carmen Herbert. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert, available exclusively inside Our Turtle House. Our Turtle House is a digital membership site with content your whole family will love. From exclusive full-length talks from some of your favorite speakers like Hank Smith, Meg Johnson, and John By the Way, to podcasts where they answer your questions. There's even daily devotionals made specifically for your teenagers. For more information or to get your first month for less than a dollar, go to ourturtlehouse.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode of Doing Good next week.